Purple Heart Homes presents Putting the Pieces Back Together, a forum for veterans and the community to connect. Here are your hosts, veterans John Galena and Brad Borders. 100 episodes. 100. It's, I mean, it's worth saying again. It's our 100th episode. How much better could it have gotten? We've only been fired twice in the show's history. 100. Yeah. I know. How did that happen? I, you know, um, I, I guess they couldn't find nobody else. They couldn't find nobody they to replace us, so they rehired true. us. That's true. This is yeah. the best they could find? This is the best they could do. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's um, the best. That's you know, sad. Uh, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes you might have to consider the talent pool and the size of the talent pool. But I mean, the, you know, we are in that talent pool. Yeah. So. It, it is a small town. Yeah, it is a yeah. small town. So you guys are uh, mediocre. Come yeah. on, it's like being the best player on the worst team in the league. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can you relate to that? Uh, well, <laughs> I mean, you were in the Marines, right? Oh, wow. <laughs> Shots fired. Man, I was going to be nice to you today since it was your you were gonna be nice. episode. Well, and, uh, why be know. nice? We got we got three branches on the show today. Matter of fact, we I even brought reinforcements today since we since we've got another branch in the studio. We got Sapala. we got Sapala here. So we got three army army guys and a Marine and and. And of course, our guest, uh, an Air Force colonel, I mean, so we got to, I don't know, should we be on our best behavior? Or should it it we... sounds like y'all are still surrounded by the Marines. I mean, that's... Oh, uh, no, <laughs> yeah. no, we brought the firepower today. But, but with the, I, I will say, um, when, when things get hairy, everybody calls the Air Force. Hey, look, we got somebody to pray for us. We're going to rain down some artillery, and we're going to run air cover all at the same time. <laughs> Marines ain't got nothing today. <laughs> We also have an army spouse on the show, which That's right. trumps everybody. Oh, That's my, exactly yes, right. Yes. That's, that is six correct. Always uh, that, rules the roost. That is the only thing that I'll agree with that's been said so far today. Yeah. So, so how about this really cool show we got planned out today? Brad, yeah, been well, working on this, yeah, putting it together to, for a while. I have, yeah. Welcome to putting the pieces back together. It's a show presented by Purple Heart Homes here on WSIC News Talk Now. That's fifty cent. That's right. No, it's eighteen dollars. Oh, every time I say it, so. <laughs> How did you so, get a raise? I don't know. I just I, I self-imposed. Oh, Have you okay. seen that check yet, yeah. like from the first <laughs> Not time? Yeah, but I'm waiting. Okay. I'm waiting. I hope we get back paid, too. So. But, uh, we do have With a, interest. Yeah, and it is our 100th episode. We started this thing in December, just the, the first weekend of December back in 2021. Holy cow. And, yeah. And uh, uh, we've had some incredible guests on, on the show, uh, from Green Berets to uh, other nonprofits that – uh, come alongside veterans, and today is no exception, and probably um, one of the shows that I've looked forward to the most. We have Colonel Mark Tillman on, and uh, Colonel Tillman served many, many years uh, in the Air Force, but uh, his, um, I guess, the sort of claim to fame, if you will, without without making you more famous than you are, but flew uh, Air Force One uh, for several different presidents, uh, but was also Air Force One commander on 9-11, and so... Uh, we're super happy to have you here today, sir. Thank you for joining us. Thanks so much. It looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah well, I think so. We, we do like to laugh and we do like to joke. And uh, our favorite thing ever, everybody on the show and our guests, so you have to participate, is to pick on Devin and the Marines. <laughs> That's true. And so uh, please feel free to join in. It's it's a requirement. But uh, before we get into the uh, episode here and, and, and your interview, I do want to take a moment to uh, give a shout out to Melissa Nieder. You know, we had this uh, wild and crazy idea to have a show to help help uh, the community understand how to better connect with veterans. Melissa had a uh, had a community show here 
at uh, WSIC, and she was willing to give that spot up so we could start a show. And so uh, just as we're uh, celebrating our 100th episode, we want to give a shout-out to Melissa and helping us get started, and certainly to all of our sponsors that have uh, supported the show uh, for uh, the better part of uh, two years now. Yeah, and incredible. So appreciate uh, Well, we started out with a half it. an hour. And then yep. and we were on Thursdays. Yep. And then and then or on Tuesdays. And then we got fired from that spot. <laughs> and so so and, and so they we got fired from that and they moved us to Thursdays and gave us an hour. Yep. Which, so they thought we could get better at that. Yeah, and, and we have not we have not, not uh, achieved success on that. But then we were no good. Uh, we got fired from our morning slot because yep. we were not good for drive time. They felt and like they, people needed to be prayed for in the mornings before right. they listened to us. Right. So they moved yeah, us they to definitely the afternoons. didn't want people waking up to us, so they put us in the afternoons so after people can experience a whole day of trials and tribulations and to come here and go, wow, it's not so bad in my life. Because I think <laughs> now I'm listening to those guys. <laughs> I'm not sure how that works, but uh, they have found a, I think, a permanent place for us. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it makes people rush to get home when they're listening to us on the radio. They're like, I think they... They're hurrying up a little yes, faster right. to get it's on It's sort of home. like in school suspension here. Yeah. That's what it is. I, I, I if you're locked to... in your car and, you don't, and your radio dial doesn't change and yeah. it's always on 1400 and between 3 and 4 on Thursday and now you have to listen to us. Yeah. So welcome. Yeah. That's right. I, I That's forgot right. to tell you, uh, uh, Justin's talking about moving our time slot again. But hey, oh, we'll yeah, get into no, that we're later. Not doing that. We're not doing that. You're fired. No, no, no. I mean, ben guys ben said he's going to override him. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, yeah, ben. So uh, we got uh, about four minutes here before our, before our first break, and uh, I'd like to uh, just go ahead and turn to Colonel Tillman. And, uh, sir, how about giving us a little bit of background about where you're from and, and kind of what, what led you to want to join the military? Well, I grew up in uh, South Florida, Hollywood, Florida, and uh, when it came time for college, I had no idea about the military. When I got to Tulane University, uh, sat first class sat next to a gentleman wearing an Air Force ROTC uniform. He explained to me about the uh, military and how his family was involved. My family had, had never been in the military. He talked to me. It was amazing what he talked about, how proud he was to be in it, uh, following his father's footsteps. And uh, then he threw the kicker at me and said, hey, is uh, Air Force will pay for all four years of your college and you'll only own four years after that. So it was uh, on the way out of that class, went to the ROTC detachments and signed up, took the tests. Uh, initially, the goal was to uh, have the uh, Air Force pay for schooling. And then I, as I always thought, I would uh, figure out how important the military was. But uh, within probably two months, I uh, realize exactly what is free to core and what we needed and what I needed in my life. And from that moment forward, uh, made a career out of it, maybe a little longer than most, spent a little over 30 years, but, uh, you know, I, they gave me a set of clothes to put on every morning and, uh, a flag to salute and a bunch of people around me that had the same values as mine. And they had no problem, uh, hugging, hitting, tackling, doing whatever we were a team. And, uh, you know, God love everybody in this country. Those are the things I miss the most about the United States military. 
You know, I got to say, he's the first person that served in the Air Force that I've ever heard say that they do anything physical. Yeah, I heard Hackman. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm trying yeah. to figure out. Awesome. Do, they have, do they have a football team? They do. Air, yeah. Actually, the Air Force uh, Academy has a really good football I, team. I think they're year. actually getting ready to play uh, the Army yeah. Air Force game yeah. is at the Air Force Academy here yeah. in about, what, seven or eight days? Yeah, it could be. Yeah. <laughs> could be. So, so. There's there's nothing wrong with being an academic powerhouse versus doing that. <laughs> you got the, the Army and the Marines there. You guys had your function. We had our function. And right. uh, the two 18-hole golf courses at every Air Force base. <laughs> right. uh, work, work smarter, not harder. Sure. And oh so if we got any uh, young, bright minds that are looking for something to do uh go air force yeah that's right well we're yeah. coming to about 30 seconds till break uh again you're listening to putting the pieces back together on wsic news talk now uh, and we have colonel mark tillman uh the air force commander of uh, uh air force one uh and so uh, we're going to hear more from him after the break and uh we pay for the show thanks to all our sponsors Hey, welcome back to Putting the Pieces Back Together, presented by Purple Heart Homes here on WSIC News Talk Now. We have our guest today, Colonel Mark Tillman, uh, who is the uh, pilot of Air Force One. And uh, we are excited, and there's horns blowing, and I'm sure fireworks somewhere. Right? We strive for mediocrity here on Putting the Pieces Back Together. And so uh, uh, we're really glad you're listening today, whether it's you're listening live or you're you're catching us on Spotify or on YouTube or wherever it is you catch it. You can, you can, uh, you know, waste a few minutes with us. Uh, but you, we have a really important story to to tell today in Colonel Tillman. Uh, and so thank you again, sir, for being here. When we uh, before the break, we were talking to uh, Colonel Tillman about his background and how he ended up joining the military through ROTC at Tulane University. And uh, so Colonel Tillman, if you just kind of carry that story forward and. Uh, lead us up to how in the world you got to become the, the pilot of Air Force One. Not a problem. Uh, once I uh, graduated from Tulane, I had a degree in chemical engineering and uh, plan was to uh, do four years and then go work for uh, some kind of chemical company. Um, but then short, shortly uh, after I uh, was assigned to uh, be a rocket propulsion engineer at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, I applied to pilot training and became a pilot, uh, which was uh, the most fun I've ever had. Uh, so uh, started out as a C-130 pilot and then was uh, pushed back into pilot training to be an instructor in the T-37. Oh, yeah. And then left there and went straight to the 89th Airlift Wing at Andrews Air Force Base and spent about 19 years at Andrews Air Force Base. Um, got accepted to Air Force One relatively soon. Started out as a co-pilot under President H.W. Bush, then flew all eight years of President Clinton's administration, and then was truly honored and been selected as the nation's 12th presidential pilot in history, assigned to George W. Bush, President Bush, and then commanding Air Force One. So it's been, it's been almost 18 years at Air Force One. Which wow. Was do you still truly- have, uh, do you still have like, uh, are there things you can't talk about still? Um, uh, you know, are you still under some type of a classification? You know, hauling all those presidents around. I'm sure there were places you went and things you saw that, you know, they're they're, you know, 
top secret that you still can't talk about, correct? You know, all the, all the uh, highly classified information, you, there was no set amount of years but before you could talk about it, so we don't talk about yeah, it. There but, you go. Uh, a lot of a lot of things that actually occurred on the aircraft. Uh, you know, I'm I'm old school. Uh, anybody my age, uh, you know, you don't have to sign anything. You just know, use common sense. That uh, you know what happened on Air Force One. Uh, the loyalty of the crew towards the first family is critically important, and you you uh, express that loyalty the same as you do with your superior leaders. You. Sure. You, uh, it's important to uh, be accountable and follow what needs to be followed. And yeah, so, you know, there's a lot of things I saw that uh, some, if they're funny, they're funny. And if the president <laughs> talks about it, they're great. But if, uh, if I don't think it's appropriate to tell people, I, I don't tell them, I don't, I don't get anything out of it. So, you know, it, it was a, an incredible journey on Air Force One, highly qualified people. And sure, we saw a lot of things from a lot of our guests that uh, many probably wouldn't want to be told about, but, uh, you know. <laughs> so is there a funny story that, that does not violate anything, any of the things you just said that you can share with us and with our listeners? You know, it, the, uh, during the reelection campaign of president Bush there, uh, you know, it, it was constant where we would watch what the, uh, uh, whoever his opponent was at the time for in 2004. And, uh, so, when they would do something, we'd come off the plane. Uh, when I say we, the staff and the president. So at one point when uh, his opponent uh, talked about all the hunting he did and this and that, um, you know, and he showed himself with a shotgun or whatever. I mean, you're talking about the Bush family that are true sportsmen, outdoorsmen, et cetera. So they, they all came off the plane in uh, duck hunting clothes and shotguns and all kinds of stuff, you know, and, and you know, that was, that was kind of a, a fun thing and a job at the, uh, right. the other opponents and all that. But, uh, you know, they, there was, you know, with president Bush throwing out the first pitch in Yankee stadium, uh, all dressed up and, uh, throwing the ball, the length of the jet, try to warm it up so he could throw out that first pitch. Um, the final one was when we snuck into Baghdad and, uh, you know, it, we gave body armor to all the dignitaries as well as the aides and, uh, you know, that, that I got to admit was the funniest thing ever watching guys put on body armor. <laughs> they had never done it. They, they, had, they had no idea what they were dealing with, did they? Yeah. No, just, yeah. just, uh, just to say, uh, you know, one of the gentlemen uh, was, uh, he had, he had the ability, he was con very concerned about his crotch. So he threw, <laughs> he threw some body armor down there that he thought went down there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. Yes, when he was walking around the plane, he came to the cockpit. We're all like, "That's hey, where that goes." <laughs> so I want to, I want to back up just a moment. And you, um, you, you mentioned that you had, you had been accepted to the Air Force One team. Was that something you applied for? Was that an application process testing? What were those qualifications? What was that like? You know, it's, it's as simple as there's a group of pilots at the 89th Airlift Wing that fly the vice president, first lady and congressional folks. And uh, we pick from that group. There's only eight pilots at Air Force One. So when you see somebody that's doing fairly well, you bring them over and they fly, you know, the secondary plane. I was lucky. I just happened to be in the squadron the one day flying the Gulfstream 3 and they needed a backup pilot. And, you know, I jumped on board. Uh, 
on Air Force One with the uh, presidential pilot on the backup aircraft. And, uh, you know, I'm a strong believer in uh, there's nothing wrong with kissing butt. You know, that's the way you get ahead. So uh, I spent a little over three hours telling the guy next to me who I'd only met at the beginning of the flight how amazing he was. And then after he landed, I said, good God, you know, I've never seen a landing like that before. (laughs) (laughs) There's a, there's a lot to be said about the old school, uh, taking care of your buddies and, uh, you know, giving them a little pat on the back, pat on the butt if they need it. Yeah. Later on that day, that guy was going, you know, that Tillman kid, that kid's going, going places. (laughs) I think you guys could learn something from Colonel Tillman. (laughs) You know, John, You know, John, John, you're an amazing man. Not only are you powerful, Quit but lying, you're handsome. Brad. You know, I, I heard I heard God strikes uh, chaplains with lightning that lie. Wow. I do that. You're an amazing man, John. It's All just right. an honor to sit so, beside uh, you. Colonel, we got we got a few minutes here before uh, we go to our next break and and I'm just uh, I'm curious uh, for our our listeners to be able to hear uh, just some some other stories as as you're a, a speaker, you you speak at uh, all different uh, types of events. That's in fact where we met you at the Hood Hargit uh, Breakfast Club uh, event that we this held annually uh, down in uh, uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. And and at that event, I remember one of the things you spoke about was that the duties of the commander of Air Force One is really far beyond just flying the plane. That it's it's the advanced team and some of the work that goes into that. Can you uh, speak to some of that for us? No, definitely. The uh, it's a every event that the president's involved with with Air Force One is an orchestrated event. So the the advanced team goes out, analyzes the field, they send the information back. We then look at the information, make sure that we can do it. But every movement that we make um, is looked at by you know eight of the pilots, five of the navigators. We can't make a mistake. We we joke about how we're the men and women in black. Anything we do that's wrong and takes away from the president's message of the day, we failed the president. So uh, we go be above and beyond looking at everything to make, make sure it's perfect. And, you know, the message I give when I'm speaking is just that, you know, it's called zero failure. Um, you know that you have to be perfect in everything you're doing, but if you're not perfect, the other message is you got to be accountable. You got to own it. You got to solve it. You got to fix it. And then you got to recover from it and realize that mistakes are made but you're going to make sure you don't make that same mistake again. Mm-hmm. And so how many how many team members were were on your team just for for a movement? You know, there roughly 250 folks. I mean, between admin as well as uh, um, a, a tremendous amount of maintenance folks for the number of jets we had. But a typical crew was around 27 to 30 on each airplane, the primary and the backup. Um, composed of uh, flight attendants, pilots, navigators, radio operators, security forces, you know, admin folks, uh, anything the president could do in the White House. We took uh, great pride in the fact we could do it at 45, 50,000 feet at Air Force One. That's amazing. It, it is amazing. Yeah, I, I'm just amazing. And, and truly blown away uh, here, having the opportunity to hear you speak uh, at the Hood Hargit event. And um, and speaking of, we got coming up uh, next week, and uh, uh, you, you 
do well to know that uh, next uh, speaker for the uh, Veterans Day event is uh, Kyle, Kyle Carpenter, Carpenter Medal Honor yep. recipient, yep. and uh, oh, cool. and so you're in certainly in great company uh, company there with Kyle coming in behind you this year, and yeah, so yeah. really cool. Yeah, you're listening to WSIC. And this is Colonel Mark Tillman, uh, commander of Air Force One. So uh, for yeah. three different presidents. And so uh, we're really excited to have him on the show. I think we got about a minute to break. And so what I'd like to see happen is when we get back from break, I'd, I'd really like to hear about, you know, that day, 9-11, uh, if that's okay with you, sir, uh, to share a little bit about your experience from that day and, and uh, what happened with President Bush and, and uh uh, some of the historical events because it's a really important day in our country's history and so uh, my, my uh, favorite part of his speech in uh, Hood Hargett was learning that there is someone that can tell the president no yeah oh that's the uh, pilot of Air Force One. and it is Colonel no Mark kidding. Tillman there, Colonel wow Mark Tillman. Well, we'll hear more about that when we come back and uh, you are listening to putting the pieces back together presented by Purple Heart Homes you can find out more about us by going to phhusa.org we'll see you just in a few minutes Welcome back to Putting the Pieces Back Together, presented by Purple Heart Homes. We are here in studio celebrating our 100th episode. And I got to tell you, uh, uh, could not have a better guest to be uh, sharing uh, this episode with. We are thrilled to have with us Colonel Mark Tillman, uh, commander of Air Force One during uh, 9-11. A phenomenal career spanning over 30 years uh, serving our nation. And, uh, you know, I got to say... uh, uh, considering my uh, father-in-law uh, retired after 30 years in uh, the Air Force, uh, it, 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 he was serving in the finest. Uh, certainly, uh, Colonel Tillman uh, hit the nail on the head. They work smarter, not harder. True. Uh, they fly higher and faster. True. And uh, and they're there to uh, serve and protect. And we, we appreciate that. And so uh, we're going to go ahead and... Um, move forward with uh, Colonel Tillman. You don't need to hear no more from us and our shenanigans. Uh, if you missed uh, the project of the week, you'll just have to go online and check out uh, the Facebook where that exclusive uh, exclusive content content is now going to live and exist. That's right. We're, 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 not, we're not firing. Content. We're not firing Devin. <laughs> uh, we're just, we're just going to stick him in the corner. For Re- a relocated me. Baby That's a, wow. <laughs> Wow, I've been regulated to Facebook. Well, you know, Colonel Tillman is much more interesting than me, so I, I you know, yeah, true. It, it's it's okay this time. Uh, <laughs> Colonel Tillman, can you can you share with us uh, and with our listeners? Uh, tell us about the day of nine eleven. You know, September eleventh was, uh, you know, it, it's obviously in everyone's memory. But the, the, when the day started, like a normal day, and you know, we watch things unfold on the television. I think all of us in the military know about it, our tremendous command and control that we have, but that wasn't the case for us. We saw everything on the Today Show, first tower getting hit, and then uh, once the second tower got hit, everything came alive for us. Uh, relocation of the President of the United States. Prior to that, we were told it was an aircraft accident in New York. Uh, uh, for us, it, do a lot of flying. Uh, the damage to the first tower was obviously greater than a light aircraft, as, as everyone was told, to include the president. Um, but then we soon learned that, no, the country was under attack. Now, now, at this point, all of us in the military, 
uh, we've got procedures to follow, protocols to follow. And once we started following those, it soon became obvious that a terrorist attack wasn't the same as uh, nuclear missiles coming in at us, uh, you know, a land invasion, et cetera, et cetera. So we started to have to improvise and it became very obvious that everybody around me uh, had different ideas and I valued each one of their opinions and then we moved forward. So uh, we, were, we were presented with the fact that the command and control in the White House said we'd relocate the president, which was the orders that we had always been given. What they didn't realize was um, those orders are based on the fact that you don't have a Texan as president. Yeah, President Bush's plan was never to relocate. It was to go back to Washington, D.C., run the country where he needed to be and uh, get in the fray, get in the battle. So everything changed at that point when he made the countermand that we weren't going to hunker down somewhere. Uh, from that point forward, the plan was to move him back to Washington. And then as events unfolded, um, you know, the final aircraft that uh, was ready to, to uh, attack its target uh, you know, two had hit the tower, one had hit the Pentagon, and then now the final aircraft that was still airborne, the president made the decision to go ahead and have it shot down if they didn't follow the directions of the fighters. Uh, you know, that was a challenging moment in all of our lives because we could listen to the radio and you knew that the fighters were moving into position to take out that last airliner that was uh, roughly over the Ohio Valley, making a turn, heading towards Washington, D.C. And when we got told the airliner had, uh, had crashed, that was a sick moment. We assumed the plane had been shot down. Mm -hmm. uh, when the fighters came online and let us know they had not shot it down, that the plane literally had just was in a descent to hit the, and hit the ground. That's when we learned the backstory of they had been talking with the pastors on board and there was a movement to go ahead and take over the cockpit. You know, in my mind, the true heroes of the day, in addition to the first responders, are, are those that tried to take control of the aircraft, not breaching the cockpit, but the terrorists uh, ditched the aircraft and saved countless lives in Washington, D.C. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, the, that was that was a challenge. Yeah, the uh, I mean, I guess the, the intended target of that aircraft was it will never really be known, but it was it was going towards the Capitol, correct? It was. It was on a direct line to Washington, D.C. So whether it was the White House or the Capitol, um, Secret Service, as well as uh, Capitol Police, everyone started relocating, pushing people out of those buildings and letting them know they had to run for their lives because, it, you know, the, the timing of that plane coming in was relatively quick. Yeah, on the sure. initial, initial and you guys day. were and the president at the time was in Florida at a at, when he found out he was at a school function at an elementary school, correct? He was. He, he it was an education visit to the state of Florida. So he was uh, first stop was Jacksonville. Second stop was Sarasota. So he was talking with the elementary school students, you know, the old mantra of no child left behind. Mm -hmm. uh, so so we, he came run, running to us. Uh, once once we left Sarasota, our plan was to uh, take him to Washington, D.C. after he countermanded the orders. Mm -hmm. And then we slowly had to turn around and and uh, stay in northern Florida until uh, we could get a good assessment as to what was waiting for us back in Washington. You guys stay, you stayed airborne the whole time, correct? We did. Yeah. Yep. And we eventually then after, uh, the decision was made, the president needed to address the American public. Um, we picked Barksdale air force base, 
and uh, landed there because of tremendous communications, tremendous security. The B-52s were there, the base, you know, we always knew the base was highly secure. Mm -hmm. So we surprised them, landed, and uh, the president had a chance to address the American public. Um, and then we jumped back in the plane and moved them to Offutt Air Force Base. And, you know, it, our concept was to do kind of a shell game because we weren't exactly sure how the president played into this terrorist attack. Mm -hmm. So as we kept moving them to secure locations, eventually President Bush said, hey, we're, we're moving back to Washington, D.C. I'm, I'm tired of hiding. You know, we got to get back and, and run the government, even though we were running it. The, the challenge for us is all our movements are based on the continuity of government. It wasn't to save the president's life. It was to make sure that the government had the continuity it needed with the vice president, the president and the speaker of the House. And all that was taken care of. Uh, you know, it was, it was a challenge because communications kept failing. But, mm -hmm. you know, we learned a lot from that day. And I, you know, I got to admit today, uh, none of that would actually happen if uh, September 11th occurred again. Oh, interesting. Wow. Yeah. Well, so um, it must have been like weird because when you fly, there's all kinds of other aircraft on your, you know, instrument display and you can see other aircraft. But you were the only plane up in the air at that time. Uh -oh. Now, we were, I mean, that was, uh, you know, we let the FAA know that we're going to just fly. We don't want to be talked to. We're not going to ask permission to climb, descend, whatever. And, uh, you know, that was working perfectly. The only other plane in the air was our backup aircraft. Mm -hmm. um, and plus, there were a couple other military aircraft that started moving into position, protecting the cities. And then eventually fighter support around the major cities was uh, launched to, to make sure we knew exactly what was the uh, the plan of attack at least for the first 24 hours but no you're right there it was an eerie feeling no radio calls and, wow. and then eventually houston got a hold of us over the gulf of mexico and let us know we had fighters coming up on us oh, wow. um, and uh you know that that was a little bit of a challenge only because just prior to that the vice president let us know that we were the next target had been wow. called into the white house so we asked for fighter support yeah um, didn't get it at the time, but eventually. I'm sure that was a uh, welcome sight, right? Yeah, the, the fighters coming up on the wing from the President's Guard unit, uh, that was a big surprise out of Houston, Ellington. Their commander launched his alert fighters to protect the boss. And, wow. uh, you know, that that is, you know, if you could get that feeling to the American public is what I try to do in the speeches. Um, it is incredible it doesn't, no one thought about what they needed to do to protect their own lives. They had a job to do. They came up to protect the boss. Let's, let's hold that. Let's hold that thought for one moment. We'll hate to have to cut you off, but just uh, hang tight with us a quick. You at WSIC News Talk Studios, and uh, we are joined for our 100th episode by Colonel Mark Tillman, commander of Air Force One during 9-11. And uh, we're gonna, we got just uh, about 12 minutes left. And so we just want to jump right back into this story you were sharing with us, Colonel Tillman. And uh, you, you were kind of explaining this feeling of what it was like when the president's guard, President George W. Bush, when his guard unit from Texas launched their fighters and they came up alongside of Air Force One to provide that little bit of added protection. I, I would say some fighter jets, maybe a lot of added protection, right? And so uh, you were telling us about that feeling and, and just kind of what, what transpired, you know, after that. And so we pick that back up for us. 
No, absolutely. The, uh, you know, it, the whole day was a lot of confusion, a lot of communication failures. And, you know, we were, we were definitely protected. It wasn't an issue. But this movement where you're the vice president told us we're the next target, we have unknown fighters coming up behind us. And Houston's telling us they're fast movers, they're supersonic, they're going about to jump us. You know, you're thinking, you know, who could these people be? And uh, eventually we got the radio call from the fighters telling us, hey, Air Force One, this is Cowrie 4-5, we're a flight of two F-16s. And they jump up on the wing. We let the boss know, the president know that, you know, this is from his guard unit, two, two F-16s, one on each side, heavily armed. Um, no sooner did they say that and we're descending, starting our descent into Barksdale Air Force Base, you know, all of a sudden the uh, fighter lead on the left wing calls out uh, Cowrie 452 Bra 165274, all these numbers. And he's just telling them that the bearing range uh, off the front of the jet is a target coming up at us. Number two calls out, confirms. He comes flying over the top of the our jet, mm-hmm. dives down and interacts with uh what appears to be coming up at us. And at that point, Houston Center identifies it as a plane coming off the New Orleans Lakefront Airport. And, uh, you know, the guy's asking for a clearance, an IFR clearance to go to Biloxi or whatever. Oh, and my gosh. The, the fighters and, you know, the Air Force fighters engage and introduce themselves. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> Hello. Can you imagine being that pilot? It gives me goosebumps just hearing it. So just imagine some, what it'd be it's like just seeing some dude, it. Some dude in his private aircraft that's not supposed to be flying around. Can we get that around. guy as a guest? Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's, yeah. he's probably still white. I mean, a lot of, a lot of people. People didn't know. Yeah. A lot of people didn't know about, you know, it was early enough in the morning and, uh, yeah. you know, just the side of the Mississippi. A lot of people uh, didn't, you know, they're, they're not watching TV before they go flying. Yeah, so they, they didn't they know were, there was a ground stop. Yeah, and, there was uh, no smartphones and, and you didn't have alerts no, going across everything. Yeah. Wow. So I'm curious. So during the process, did the president, did he like, you know, come up in the cockpit and get on the on the radio and be like, hey, Joe, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us and uh, hanging out with us for a little bit. Did he know the guy, the pilots of the fighters? No, not at all. It, it was it was multiple generations but behind when he he went there. But, the, you know, it, the the part that people don't understand is all his communications were on the speaker in our cockpit because I wanted I wanted to know everything he knew so I could counter it before he had to ask us for it. And wow. he was constantly being talked to by the vice president. I mean, he was getting information every second, hmm. making decisions. So when uh, the news media, Dan Rather and company said, you know, he's running scared. You know, that's the last thing you tell a, a Texan is he's running scared. Right. I mean, if we if we could have had our first missile attack, it would have been at CBS at Dan Rather, I would have seen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was But there he had a lot of information coming in, good information. Some information uh, was uh you know, the fog of war was coming in, you know, as far as you know, amount of lives lost in the Pentagon. You know, Rudy Giuliani was talking with him. Uh, it, it, it was amazing the amount that you saw the first responders doing and how our military came from just an average day to uh, yeah. you know, our DEFCON level changing uh, considerably all over the world. Yeah, that's, amazing. that's wow. incredible. So do you, uh, do you stay in touch with President Bush at all? Do you, um, you, you ever talk with him, uh, uh, you know, just every now and again, catch up with him? 
Yeah, well, I, I go to training down in Dallas. Uh, so if I'm in Dallas, I'll contact his uh, executive officer as such, and he'll he'll uh, he'll say, yeah, you know, you can come over and say hi. I saw him about a year ago. Uh, the company I worked for at Amway flew him to an event in Grand Rapids. So when he when he came off the jet, he d- did what he always does. He walked out, Tillman. Yeah. You know, and then he's, uh, what happened to your hair? No. <laughs> <laughs> he's just he's an incredible guy. You know, I mean, it is just. Uh, no. And then he he introduced me to his new dog, and then he entered. You know, he he goes, you remember Laura, don't you? Yeah, of course I remember the first lady, yeah. Mr. President. And uh, no, yeah, it, it's just he he is just a great man and. Uh, you know, everyone asked me what it would be like if he, you know, if he called me up today and said he needed something, I'd be at his house in a heartbeat, yeah. uh, mowing the lawn or whatever, or getting back in uniform. I, yeah. I'd follow that man to my death for sure. Did you know him when you flew for uh, HW for? Did, did you know, you... When I was a co-pilot for HW, so I really, you know, I, I knew my position as a co-pilot. I didn't get involved in anything. I just sat there and acted smart and lifted the gear and that was it. But, you know, then it was the Clinton administration. Um, but then when I interviewed for the job with the white house, uh, and interviewed with Andy card and talked with him and, you know, just was very comfortable with Andy card. Uh, what an incredible man. If you don't know him, extremely religious, great Christian. Um, and that, that's what sold me right there is, uh, you know, takes care of the people, knew God was part of his life. And, uh, you know, that was neat, as well as President Bush and Mrs. Bush, the entire family. It, it was truly an honor, definitely, to, to fly him. Wow. As we uh, start to uh, near the end of our show here, just a couple minutes left, is there is there anything we didn't ask that you feel would be good for the listeners and, and the people to hear or that you'd like to share maybe to young young folks that, that might be listening? Oh my gosh! Did Uh-oh. we lose Colonel we Tillman? We, the Air Force One technology at WSIC has yes. uh, has been corrupted. It's just like 9/11. Oh my gosh! It, you oh, know, wow. it's, it's we a... we have been attacked by the Russians here before when they heard <laughs> about this. The show. Oh, it's, it's probably Dan, Dan rather. rather. Oh, our arch nemesis now. Uh, so I will tell you this: that uh, Colonel Tillman does have a son who is a fighter pilot. No wow. kidding. Yeah, and he's in That's the awesome. Navy. He's a fighter jock on out in, on an aircraft carrier. In That's the really cool. Pacific Theater. Oh, be able to get him uh, Top Gun graduate yeah. as well. So, you know, uh, it's uh, it never fails me to realize that you know more often than not, it's generations of Americans that are serving. Right. Yeah, it's, for sure. It's not just uh, not just one. Um, since uh, uh, since we can't get Colonel Tillman back, I just want to present you guys with a. Oh, look at that. I don't get a cake in the face. Oh, man. Well, it was there was a thought of a cake in the face, but we won't do that. Uh, uh, How about that? 100th episode without being canceled yet. Yes. Yet. Yeah. Yeah. We've been fired, but we haven't been I just want to congratulate uh, y'all on your 100th episode without being canceled yet. That is fantastic. Well, I think the only reason we've not been canceled is uh, because of the great talent that surrounds us. True. Thank you so much, uh, Devin. Thank you, Miss Giggles and uh, Andy. Thanks for Mr. Uh, Giggles. <laughs> Mr. Giggles. Mr. Giggles. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I, aren't, aren't, wouldn't that imply that they were, you know, married? Cousins. 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 Oh, okay. I, I get it. 
It's uh, <laughs> we won't go too deep down that rabbit hole. Awesome. Oh, we got him back. Okay, wonderful. Yeah. My apologies. No idea what happened. No, it was on our end. I, I'm, I'm quite sure. Uh, I think it was Dan Rather and CBS trying to interfere. <laughs> They're trying so, to shut you down. So real quick, guys, we got just a couple, about two minutes left here. Uh, is there anything that we might not have asked that? Are you still with us? Yeah, he's with us. Yeah. Oh, okay. I just lost visual. So, is there anything that you would like to share with the listeners? No, definitely. I I am so proud to have been part of the United States military as well as you all. Um, I, I, you know, we joke about Army, Marines, Navy, uh, Coast Guard. Uh, you know, y- you name it. But it, we're all a, we're all a fighting force, and there's not one better than the United States military. Uh, my son's a United in the United States Navy as a pilot. Um, you know, I'm in touch with them every day, letting them know how much I'm thinking of them, how proud I am of them. And anybody else I know in the military, I say the same thing to them. So if you got sons or daughters or family or friends in the United States military, it's not an easy job. And we got to take care of each other, not only now, but in the future. And these are going to be some tough times for the United States military. Yeah. So thank you. We got to make sure we take care of them. That's uh, Tillman, thank great you advice. For being here. We're really yeah. grateful. You were our 100th guest on this show. Certainly, so certainly you. made the show and has upped the game for the uh, next the 100 shows. Right. So uh, you've been listening to Putting the Pieces Back Together, presented by Purple Heart Homes. Be sure to check us out online if you missed any part of the show. listening to putting the pieces back together brought to you by purple heart homes please consider making a donation to this worthwhile cause dedicated to improving the lives of veterans one home at a time by visiting purpleheartshomesusa.org join us again next thursday at 3 p.m for putting the pieces back together on wsic news talk now